0: Welcome. You have entered the realm of eleven eleven talk radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself. Broaden your mind. Open your heart and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron.
1: Welcome. Can you believe it is the end of October? Oh my goodness, two thousand seventeen is closing out and opening to a new holiday season, and then we will have a powerful 2018 that is arising. 2018 is an 11-year. It is a gateway year, and it is an opportunity to truly deepen into the truth of who you are in terms of love and to begin embodying that space, knowing that space, and allowing the lightness of that space to inhabit every cell of your being. So I know that today's show will be a conversation and an exploration that will help you open to that if you are not and help you deepen into that even if you are. I'd like to mention that the 1111 magazine is out. I'd love for you to partake of all the nourishment that is inside of it. It is free every single month and filled with many different authors, change agents, and resources that you can access if they call to you. Otherwise, the wisdom inside will be most nourishing and fill up your heart, your mind, and your soul. That is always at 1111mag.com, and the archive issues are there as well if you want to go back to the any other issue. The information is absolutely timeless, and the individuals are great examples of exactly who you are. In addition, if you're too busy to give yourself any type of multibody vitamin that allows for your mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical body to be enhanced, then I invite you to explore 11.11 on audio. It has now been released, and it is done in a way that is bite-sized capsules of audios that allow you to receive the intentions, the meditations, the articles, and an additional life enhancement, life coaching component, where you have inquiries and action steps that you can follow. So definitely check out all the things that 11.11 has going on. My guest today is Eileen Workman, and she is an author, motivational speaker, and spiritualist. She has released her second book, which is Raindrops of Love, and I'd love to share an opening piece from that, an invitation to communion. Beloved, I am life, and I invite you in this perfect moment to realize that we, you and I, are one spirit flowing within and throughout the infinite realm of matter, and that our unity has always and ever been so. Although for a while you forgot that we were united, that did not mean we were ever separated. It just rendered you briefly insensible to our eternal connection. Know that I am your formless self, communing with you through these words because you desire the conscious reconnection of form and formlessness. The time has come for you to awaken and transcend your imagined limitations so that you can express evermore your formless self in the realm of form. This is from the book, Raindrops of Love for a Thirsty World, and it is written by life as shared with Eileen Workman. She has provided you an opportunity to understand soft love, tough love, self love, and life love. And now more than ever. We need these types of solutions in a world that wants to create more and more illusion. Welcome, Eileen, to 1111 Talk Radio. It is wonderful to have you here, and I'm so excited to dive into this beautiful conversation of love. Mm, thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to it as well. Uh, one thing that I would love to dive into a little bit first is your personal story, because so many people are in different realms, whether it is corporate jobs or whether it is the everyday rigmarole of daily lives of taking care of children and running errands, or even whether it's people that are in school and and aspiring and, and trying to figure out how to make it in this world. And yet we all have a beautiful spiritual connection. We all have a way to download messages. We all have uh, a manner in which we can receive what life is offering, and I'd love for you to share your background and how this all came to you, just so that individuals are more open and aware of the fact that they too are connected this deeply to life, no matter where they are coming from or what they are involved in.
2: Mm, sure. Well, I suspect, like most people, you know, I being raised in the the present society that we have, most of us are spoon fed certain belief systems that come to us from our parents and from experts and from important elders in our community. And at some point, many of us, not all of us, but many of us reach a place where we begin to recognize that these beliefs that we were inculcated into are not ours, that we don't really believe them heart and soul, but they're teachings that we've incorporated in our lives on a thinking level. And when that realization hit me, I was probably in my mid-30s and was very active in the business world. I had an incredible career, a beautiful family. Things were going well in my life, but I wasn't happy. And that deep-rooted sense of unhappiness came from the fact that I didn't know myself. I didn't know what was true for me. I only knew what other people told me was true for them or that they were told to believe was true for them. I didn't even know how many other people in the world believed it. So that started a quest on my part to delve into reality in a way that wasn't filtered through these beliefs or understandings that I had held on to for all the years that I had held on to them. And that led to ultimately what the world called a psychotic breakdown. (laughs) And for me, I labeled it as a spiritual emergency. It was the moment when I had to turn inside and, and face myself and say, I don't know what to believe, so I'm simply going to say, I don't know what's true about anything, and going into that sort of zero-belief space, and then facing the world from there, and saying, show show yourself to me. And so that was the genesis of the book, was the the realizations that came full-fledged into my experience when I asked life, show yourself to me. Mm. You know,
1: that is probably a place that so many people don't realize has to happen. You know, we fight some of the, the obstacles that start to show up or the challenges or anything that's not working. And instead, we try to push through it and make life work the way we want to control it. And it often leads to these places where there is a crisis in life, a spiritual crisis or a physical crisis or some sort of thing that leads to the breakdown of of the illusion of life that we have created. And that's the only way to really surrender the identities and open up to something more. And that sounds like what you allowed to happen, that you really surrendered not just to life, but you were willing to surrender the identities along with the beliefs that were there so that you could open to more illumination and uh, a perspective that was unbiased and neutral to really see life as it is.
2: Yes, and, and I would say probably the, the greatest distance between the inauthentic self and the authentic self is the distance between surrendering to the not knowing versus trying desperately to hold on to the belief systems because of the fear of what it means if we have to surrender the beliefs and we don't pick them back up at the other end because something else turns out to be true. And I think that's what most of us fear. We fear that if we leave our beliefs aside in order to truly investigate reality, we might discover that the answers were not what we thought they were. And indeed, we might discover that some of the answers are unknowable, and that's a terrifying admission that we're not in control, that we don't own the answers, therefore we can't manipulate reality and use reality to accomplish our our objectives, but we have to let reality come to us and meet us so we can know it.
1: I love how you've broken up this book. You have termed it as soft love, tough love, self-love, and life love. And you talked mm-hmm. a little bit already about the soft love piece, which is the wonder of self-realization that probably sometimes can be blissful and other times cannot be so comfortable to get to. Mm-hmm. Talk about the tough love piece, the challenge of self-discipline and
3: mm-hmm.
1: how how important that is and how to move into that, um, especially when when an individual is trying so desperately to hold on to those beliefs and that identity that they, or their attachments that they have.
2: Yeah, this is a tricky part of the process because the ego will do whatever it can to defend and protect itself from criticism. It's so terrified of its own insecurity that its job is self-protection. That's its whole survival mechanism. So it makes it very difficult for us to look at ourselves objectively and notice the things about ourselves that potentially would be beneficial for us to change because there is an egoic fear of if I admit that I do this, then I'm going to judge myself as less than, chastise myself for having, you know, been foolish this way or behaved badly. And I have to go through all that suffering and stress and punishment before I can then go ahead and change whatever it is I want to change. That's the ego's process. So to get into the, the mode of joyful self-discipline, of joyful change, requires us to learn how to treat ourselves lovingly. To say, the moment I notice something that I'm doing isn't working, rather than make myself feel worse about the situation, let me just start where I am, with the recognition that I'm doing this particular pattern behavior, and it's not, being su- it's not successful. I'm not getting the results I want out of my engagements with life, so I want to change that. And then find joy in the fact that we recognized it, and that we're now empowered to do something different about it. And begin an experimentation process of, okay, if I'm not going to do that particular behavior anymore, let's say it's something like gossiping with your friends to create a feeling of false intimacy. And you notice that you do that and you realize it causes problems in your life when the gossip gets spread and people come back to you and there's all these dramas and things that don't feel good. So just to simply say, oh, I've been doing that. I've been conditioned to do that. I appreciate the part of me that wants intimacy. So I'm going to be intimate with myself and loving with myself, and I'm going to find other ways to experience intimacy with other people that don't involve this negative process. And then you get to play. You get to play in the field of life and, and go up to people and say, Hey, maybe, maybe I can be intimate with you just by speaking my truth. Maybe I can be intimate with you by opening and deep listening and hearing who you really are and connecting with you in a deeper way than the surface way we normally connect as human beings. I get to be free to explore all of those opportunities because I'm no longer bound by the old habituated process, which, by the way, caused more problems than it really created intimacy to begin with. So That's what the the tough love section is about, is about honoring ourselves enough to recognize that we all have patterns of behavior that are strategies for manipulating others and controlling reality, that when we drop those, we get to discover the best way to really achieve our objectives, and it's natural. It's not this conditioned process.
1: I want to read a piece from your Tough Love section that is titled A Choice to Create, and I'll read the beginning paragraph and the ending paragraph to this segment. Beloved, I have heard countless cries of human distress over the suffering, dissonance, hatred, and anger expressing itself throughout the world at this time. I feel how this troubles the human heart, and I know how painful it is to witness the violence and damage now being inflicted upon the precious and beautiful face of your earth. I love your sensitivity, and I honor the way that you long for a resolution for all of this pain. Know that resolution must come, for what is unsustainable cannot remain forever a part of the world. Everything you are witnessing at this time hints at the massive shift in consciousness that is already well underway within your own species. Your degree of willingness to allow your ego to dissolve within my boundless living flow will determine how collaborative we are. We don't need to do it all at once or to make it all happen, all or nothing per proposition. I am inviting you to gradually explore my field at your own pace. Over time, you will learn to trust the changing tide that is already stirring within you the same way you have come to trust the natural changing of seasons every year. The long, dark winter of human discontent is drawing at long last to a conclusion. What springs forth next depends on how you are willing to open and express the living truth of your higher self in the world. This particular passage alone, and there's so many in the book, is incredibly powerful because it's so easy to get caught up in the stories of our life or in the past or even in the concept of I need to go back and fix and heal everything that was ever done to me as opposed to also understanding we have a choice to co create, we have a choice to be present. Talk a little bit about that when it comes to the self discipline and the tough love.
2: Mm, good question. Well, for me, the choice to be present involves a willingness to not come from the head as the soul. Impulse in which I move in the world where I'm thinking, thinking, thinking about how to engage with other people and is this strategy going to work? Is that process going to ricochet? But I'm simply open. It's It's instead of projecting and reflecting, which there's a gap between those two where I'm either inside myself thinking about what I'm supposed to say next and then I come up with it and I put it into the world. I project it. And there's that space where I'm not present, where I'm thinking about it, versus absorbing reality and radiating your responsiveness to it because you trust your response so intrinsically and because you're so present and because your heart is open to the world as it's showing up, you really, truly trust that whatever comes through you authentically in that moment will be exactly what is needed you don't have to put spin on it or manipulate it or try to figure out how to use it. You just deliver it. So it's almost a flowering of the soul into the world that is not confined or constrained by thinking about what the flower should look like or how it should smell or who it should speak to or, you know, where where it should open or how long it should be open for.
1: The the key to freedom. Beloved, if you tell another what's wrong with them, you rob them of the joy of self-realization. However, if you encourage another to investigate the source of their own discontent and inner suffering, you are handing them the keys to freedom's gate and allowing them to unlock the gate all by themselves. This is from the book Raindrops of Love for a Thirsty World. It is a time a timely spiritual guide to surviving and thriving in today's pervasive gloomy atmosphere of alienation and fear. Her new book, Raindrops of Love for a Thirsty World, is her second book. Uh, the first one was Sacred Economics, and both books find a powerful spiritual thread that acknowledges the natural limits of human self-consciousness and honors the rising natural impulse within our species to evolve beyond our present limited state of consciousness by becoming more life-aware. You can find out more about Eileen Workman, her books, her blog, and all of the things that she is doing if you'll go to her website. It's EileenWorkman.com. And again, the name of the book is Raindrops of Love for a Thirsty World. We'll be right back after these messages.
2: making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
0: Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444, People All over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. 1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly online publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. Engage with experts in topics of consciousness. Become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, expanding the heart, and experiencing greater aliveness. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com.
3: Do you want more out of life? Tired of settling in relationships, your career, health, or finances? Want to experience greater aliveness? I am Simran. I support people in listening to their conversations with the universe, the guiding signs, symbols, and synchronicity. I mentor people to anchor in trust, love, and confidence, to live their heart's desires. Let me guide you in embracing the challenges and the obstacles, so you embody and integrate the gifts they bring. No more human doing. You are here for being, bountifully and abundantly. Experience your soul's natural rhythm, your powerful essence. Don't shrink back any longer. Release the struggle. Learn how to let go. Create in different dimensions. Transform separateness, grief, anxiety, anger, and chaos into living your destiny. Connect with me at iamsimran.com. Live more freely, spontaneously, and joyfully. Don't conform. Live a life of courage. Let's start now. Through my online courses, mentoring programs, or one-on-one coaching, it's time to change your world
0: connect at iamsimmons.com. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at voiceamericatrn. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 magazine. Powerful speaker of wisdom and a life mentor. Find out more at imsimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio.
1: Eileen Workman has miraculously summoned the profound wisdom of the life force in a series of loving messages. These communications come at an opportune time as we drift in a sea of anxiety and worry, deeply shaken by recent political, economic, and social crises, and starved for connection due to divisiveness. A decade ago, Eileen experienced a startling spiritual awakening. Abandoning her high-powered, highly-paid role in the financial world, she opened up to a channeled gift of eloquent, soul-stirring passages from what she calls life, the life force, a field of energy and love that transformed her life and her relationship to humanity. She has two books. One is Sacred Economics, and her second is this one, which has released this year, Raindrops of Love for a Thirsty World. I'm going to read a passage Uh, from the book that is Be the Flow. Beloved, I encourage you to notice how you are defining the living world. Are you perceived in a world made of separate objects, or do you perceive connectivity and flow everywhere you look? If you are still observing a world of separation, I invite you to dive headlong into my river. See the flow. Be the flow. Honor what you observe flowing all around you and flowing within you, for that is life, and you are not separate from it. Love it all, for none of it exists apart from you or even outside of yourself. When your heart comes alive, self ignites and radiates the state of grace. All things become possible. Welcome back, Eileen. When we think about that passage, so often it's harder for individuals to open themselves up to a flow that is always around them. But particularly the last piece is something I want to dive into where you say, Love it all, where life says, Love it all, because so often. When we do see the things that are going on right now in the world, on television, in the communities, the very resistance that rises up is to love that, to actually be able to even hold that in this space called life, in this space called love. Talk about that part of the tough love that we have to dive into when it comes to self-discipline.
2: Well, that's the challenge of love, isn't it? I mean, it's easy to love things that are inherently lovable. Everyone can love a puppy and a sunset and, and, you know, the beautiful magnificence of the blue ocean, but when you come face-to-face with something that is challenging, that generates fear or has an emotional intensity that triggers a reaction in ourselves, how do we love that? Um, because that's part of the whole, and, and so to accept that it's there for a reason, And to be curious about what the reason is opens the opportunity for life to reveal itself. Anything that is showing up, that is showing up painfully or with immense suffering is showing up to call our attention to something that we have the capacity to do something about. Otherwise, we wouldn't see it. We wouldn't notice it. It wouldn't be part of our realm. So if it's showing up, it wants us to see it. And part of the challenge is we want to push that away. We don't want to see the ugly things. We don't want to see the painful things. We don't want to see the challenging things because that means we might have to change something about the way we're operating in the world. And that terrifies us. Mm. So that's the first opening is to be willing to say, yes, I can see things. I can look around the world and I can see pain and I can see suffering. How does that speak to me? As a a living organism within this living whole, how can I turn away and have fun over here and completely ignore the fact that there is horrific suffering happening over there? And that's a hard question.
1: And that leads me to another section in your book, which is the power of perspective, where you write, if you believe yourself powerless to affect change, you will act as if it is so, and your life will unfold in ways that will prove your assumption correct. Later on in the passage, you write, your greatest power does not reside in your freedom to change the world. It resides in your freedom to reshape your own perspective. And that piece is really huge, because so often our perspectives are really just colored by the past, by the belief systems that we've taken on, by the thought forms that we have embedded so that we see that proof outside of us. So to be willing to effect that change first is incredibly, uh, that is a superpower, a supernatural power. Mm -hmm.
2: Talk a little bit about that power of perspective. Well, (laughs) Uh, to me, the power of perspective is the opportunity for us to recognize that for most of our lives, we have been trained to go through the world and look at it through a very narrow lens. And the lens that we use is, what does this mean to me? So if I see, you know, something happening in the world and I say, what does this mean to me? Well, it's happening over in Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka. So that means nothing to me. I can distance myself from it because it doesn't speak to me as a human being individually way over here. When I open my lens of perspective and say, what does this mean for life? What does this mean for the whole living planet? I get a very different answer. Mm. And the answer that I get when I open that lens inspires me to do something different than just turn away and say, this means nothing to me. So these are the lenses of perspective that give us the opportunity to view the world in a different way, intake the information in a different way, and therefore respond in a different way. And the only thing we're ever going to change is our own response. That's the only opportunity we have to engage with reality in a way that might make things different than the way it's always been.
1: It really means taking that vision of just the self and what I need and really opening to the greater vision that we are all connected to. And to do so, you do have to go inside the heart and allow those walls to crumble down. Later on in the section of uh, The Tough Love, you write, Dissolving Your Heart's Inner Walls. Beloved, I invite you to notice that humanity's children are being conditioned to accept an astonishing level of violence within your society. Because violence permeates human society on a global scale, many humans have walled off their own hearts to protect themselves from assault by the sheer forces without. Know that such walls may seem useful for blocking most incoming transmissions of pain. Know, too, however that they hinder your capacity to respond with loving empathy to all the suffering sentient beings in the world. There's a part of this that does require us to heal those old wounds and let the, the walls of the heart fall down. And yet there's this part that also says that we are here to serve the world. And oftentimes that can be the distraction to not go into the heart to solve the walls that are barricading it, which means that even real genuine empathy may not even be in those acts of service. Talk a little bit about how you view that.
2: Well, I think what you're getting at, and and this to me is one of the most potent experiences and realizations that, that I've had, is that when we are afraid that we will not be loved by the world, we put a tremendous amount of energy into ensuring, A, that the world doesn't see the parts of ourselves that we are fearful or unlovable, and B, that what we put forward is our best and shiniest and most, uh, you know, polished version of ourselves that is the least likely to draw negativity and the most likely to draw the fact that other people are happy at what we're doing. So that's the strategy. When we stop and realize what that says is that we have parts of ourselves we don't love and don't want to look at, and we have parts of ourselves that we are kind of arrogant about. Maybe what's really necessary is for us to turn deeply inside and look and say, who is this me that I fear might be unlovable and that is strategizing to gain love from others? Do I love this me? What is it? And to to have that inner question drop, and then sit with it, and really find the courage to look at those parts of ourselves that we're afraid to show the world because we're afraid they mean we're unlovable. This is where healing the past came in for me, was as I began to look at those things about myself that I thought were unlovable, I couldn't help but look at them in the context of how they arose. And me as an adult, looking back at that little eight-year-old child who created a strategy to protect her heart because she was in pain, I fell in love with that little eight-year-old. The strategy, not so much. It was, you know, it was a childish strategy and it didn't work very well. But I give her a lot of credit for where she was, what she felt, and I loved her in that moment and I brought her home. It didn't matter who had inflicted the wound on her. What mattered was that she needed love in that moment and didn't have it or didn't feel it. And so I gave it to her from my adult perspective here and now, and I brought her home. And I really the appreciate
1: that you said, Eileen, that it didn't matter who inflicted the wound. It was that she needed love. Because I think so often people stay hooked on and stuck in who wounded me, how they mm. wounded me, as opposed to what can I give this part of myself to to really bring that place of love. And so I think it's quite powerful that part three of the book is around self-love. And you speak about it in terms of the responsibility of self-actualization. And I love that, too, because that is a personal responsibility that we have to take. No one else is going to give us that.
2: Yeah. Oh, The shame and the blame and the guilt that we feel when we sense that we're unlovable in some fashion is a a very strong barrier to that, you know, turning inward and doing that inner work. So we do have to take responsibility for that, even if we're not responsibility for the pain that was inflicted upon us or the suffering that we experienced. We are responsible for the decision to deal with it. And it's the decision to deal with it that moves us into the opportunity to, each time we heal one of those core wounds and recognize that the part of ourselves that we thought was unlovable was just an imaginary monster under the bed. Bring it home. Bring it home. And we fall deeper in love with ourselves. We then open space and gain more energy and capacity, creative capacity, to figure out, what am I here to do? What's unique about me? What can I deliver to the world out of all of this wisdom that is now inside me and this love and this connectivity? And then you look around and you see what's needed.
1: In my own book, Your Journey to Love, that's so much of what that's about. It's about self-love and the sacred marriage between the light aspect, the dark aspect, and the innocent child within us to bring that together. And so there is this marriage that has to take place uh, to, to heal the division that's inside. And there's not only the division between our light and our dark or the separation from our inner child. There's also a division when it comes to the masculine and feminine energies, both externally in the world as the, uh, the physical manifestation of men and women, although that has nothing to do with gender, um, but especially that reflection as to the masculine and feminine internally that we either repress or deny um, can you speak a little bit to what your feeling and thoughts are around masculine and feminine and how that relationship is changing over time?
2: Well, for, for me, it really boils down to a very simple division of the species capacities. And masculine is traditionally the giving, thrusting, powerful, into the world uh, projection aspect of the human being whereas the divine feminine or the the core feminine is the receptive the take in the dark the, the creative crucible within which that which will birth into the world comes forth out of that so, male female has been a dichotomy of those energetic expressions for many, many years. And of course, for thousands of years now, the patriarchy has dominated the world. So, it's all about thrusting, putting into the world, doing, making, you know, building. And the receptive side, the deep thinking kind of crucible space within which cooperative generation takes place, that qualitative moment has been neglected and maligned even in our society as as not something worthwhile. And that's the emotional aspect of us as well. So I think the balance that is coming back into the human society will involve kind of a repatriation of the energy inside the human being, such that each person has the capacity to do both. We are both transmitters and receivers. And we learn how to receive gracefully and how to transmit in ways that are loving and kind such that we can be received gracefully. And that's a huge change because we're all running around trying to beat down doors, making everybody hear us and making everybody respond to what we're saying. And it's very forceful and it's, it's you know, quite uh, obtrusive and it creates huge problems between people. When if we could just relax and allow what's rising to rise... And we'd learn a lot more.
1: And as we move into that balancing aspect, especially when we're looking at the way life has balance, it, uh, life shows us in its different seasons and cycles, in its manner of life and death and moving in and out of spaces, that all of this is part of a natural unfolding. And if we can look at it from that bigger perspective, instead of attached to our own human individual perspective all the time, we might slip into more of that natural way of flow. Is that part of what people find in the book when they're going through, as they experience the four levels of love?
2: Yes, I do think what you'll find as you move through these different stages is that the, you know, the soft love section is really about a mother and child, we're dealing with the infantile and young state of ourselves who doesn't know who it is and, and needs love. And so that's the first section. The second section is more the kind of the adolescent period of going through that inner growth and development. Uh, the third section is really the young adulthood where you begin to produce out of your greatest and highest capacity and then the fourth section is really that long stretch of self-mastery as you as you drop into yourself and really discover your own capacities and you're honing yourself. You got all the rest figured out and now you're just sort of doing yourself in the most uh, wise and energy conserving way that you know how to do it and being a, a benefit to life as well. So there is a flow and a sequence and, and my, I guess, <laughs> my belief is that humanity right now, the collective consciousness, is probably in its adolescent phase. And that is why, you know, because it's mostly an adolescent consciousness, we're dealing with a lot of the traumas of adolescence, the melodrama, the narcissism, the aggression, the cliques, the, you know, the the arrogance, the insecurities, all of that is happening in our society. And it's showing up. Because adolescent consciousness isn't going to serve us going forward. So we need to see the strategies that we're using as as teenage mindsets so that we can set them aside and move into our highest and best capacities.
1: From the book, Raindrops of Love for a Thirsty World, in the section around self-love, the responsibility of self-actualization, Eileen has eight essential principles of self-love. Trust yourself enough to be authentic in all of your dealings. Be open to new insights. Be courageous when you meet the unknown and when you feel called to express a new idea. Be compassionate in all of your dealings, most especially with yourself. Be kind in all of your encounters, especially those that your higher self has with your ego. Be patient with your thinking, especially when you contemplate what could be. Be peaceful in your demeanor, especially within yourself. And above all, love unconditionally, especially yourself. Again, you can find out more at eileenworkman.com. Check out Raindrops of Love for a Thirsty World and also check out Sacred Economics. You'll love what you find at our website, eileenworkman.com. We'll be right back after these messages.
3: Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Do you want more out of life? Tired of settling in relationships, your career, health, or finances? Want to experience greater aliveness? I am Simran. I support people in listening to their conversations with the universe, the guiding signs, symbols, and synchronicity. I mentor people to anchor in trust, love, and confidence, to live their heart's desires. Let me guide you in embracing the challenges and the obstacles, so you embody and integrate the gifts they bring. No more human doing. You are here for being, bounteously and abundantly. Experience your soul's natural rhythm, your powerful essence. Don't shrink back any longer. Release the struggle. Learn how to let go. Create in different dimensions. Transform separateness, grief, anxiety, anger, and chaos into living your destiny. Connect with me at imsimran.com. Live more freely, spontaneously, and joyfully. Don't conform. Live a life of courage. Let's start now. Through my online courses, mentoring programs, or one-on-one coaching, it's time to change your world. Connect at IamSymran.com. Are you an artist, healer, teacher, author, speaker, or coach? A wellness or holistic practitioner or energy worker? Maybe you want to be. Do you desire to serve the world, share your gifts, live your dreams? I'm Simran, host of 1111 Talk Radio, and I invite you to the vision of oneness. Could you use a community of support, more financial flow with less effort? Would you like to receive so you have more to give? Be a world changer, world server, do-gooder. Be a new paradigm thinker and a conscious change agent. A part of a growing community creating collective streams of prosperity and wellness. By simply serving yourself, you serve others. Feel great, have more energy, sleep better, gently detox, lose unhealthy weight, and build strength. It's time for more freedom and financial flow. The vision of oneness embodies unconditional giving, commitment, simplicity, and receiving. We are a collective new way of being in commerce and creative cash flow. Learn more at thevisionofoneness.com. Register now and a member will help you begin today. visionofoneness.com Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
1: Welcome. Definitely check out my own website. It's 1111mag.com. You can access the free 1111 magazine every single month and now the new audio program as well. Also, you can find my books and programs at IamSimran.com. I am with Eileen Workman and we are discussing her new book, Raindrops of Love for a Thirsty World by Life. As shared by shared with Eileen Workman. She's also got a second book you might as well order while you're ordering the first one. And it is called Sacred Economics. And you can discover more of the transmissions that she shares in that one as well. Life says, I invite you to notice that I speak with you in our native tongue, the language of life all the time. I communicate with you from all around you, through images, sounds, fragrances, movement, and touch. I even connect with you from within by inspiring specific moods and feelings. I speak to you through your planet's rhythms, its energy flows, and your dreams for a brighter tomorrow. I am, in my infinite love for you, endlessly communing with you and encouraging you to awaken to my existence. That is part of the invitation to communion. Raindrops, invites us to each freely enter into our species adulthood by encouraging us to trust that we are indeed creations of the awesome and regenerative power of eternal love, made flesh and bone and heart and mind through the infinite creativity that is life itself, and that our primary responsibility is to awaken to the fact that we exist to be the unleashed power of love in this world, love in action. Again, you can find out more at eileenworkman.com, so definitely check it out. Uh, Eileen, I loved that passage. Uh, I wrote a book called Conversations with the Universe, and it's all about how the world speaks to us through everything, through every single thing all of the time, and that is what life does. It is constantly communing with us, communicating with us, playing with us, engaging with us, And that is such a delightful part of it, if we can open to it. The last section of your book is around life love, and it is the freedom of self-governance. And part of that is opening to this constant communion and connection that all of life has for us. Talk a little bit about the freedom of self-mastery and feeling connected, knowing that we're connected.
2: Uh, Thank you, yes. And I think the first thing I want to say is it's important for us to recognize that it's not our fault. None of this is our fault. There's no blame associated with this process of self-maturation any more than you blame a teenager for being a teenager. Consciousness is moving through its own maturation cycle, and it's a much longer cycle than just one human lifetime. It's multiple, multiple generations. So we just happen to be alive at a time when the collective consciousness is seeking to make this transition, this leap from generalized adolescent thinking to adult ways of being in the world. And each of us represents a molecule of that collective consciousness. And the best thing that we can do to support the cause of life is to jump ourselves and then to support and nurture others as they jump over into their adult level of consciousness. So, you know, what does that mean? What does it mean to have an adult level of consciousness? And, you know, I would suggest that that what it means is what uh, that last passage was referring to, to recognize that this notion of a separate self was an adolescent way of viewing the world. And that when we open our hearts entirely and allow the truth of the universe to permeate us from within and suffuse us and move outward, we recognize that our genuine power comes from relating to the world in a benevolent and loving way. And the more of us that can do that with one another and with the planet and with the animals and the other forms of nature on the planet, the more we open the possibility which is what life I think is seeking to do that it can move in the world more benevolently and more gently and more kindly mm. so the challenge the transition is about letting go of listening to what other people tell you you should do not about what to do but about how to be so those those seven or eight the eight steps that we talked about earlier that you read those were I call them the be attitudes and they're the attitudes through which we go through the world. And and then what we do is informed by that.
1: And then we can do anything. And we can do anything. I love how you open this section of the book because I know every person on the planet at some point gets to the questions of who am I? Why am I here? What am I here to do? What's my purpose? How do I do it if I'm supposed to do that? And you start us off by giving us those questions, who, what, when, where, how, and why. But you point us in a direction of saying this isn't about you what if this is about the greater world in general that includes you and that too is that shift in perspective and that understanding that we are a part of a whole and when we allow ourselves to view from the perspective of the whole we also get served in the process
2: oh yeah that's the key realization that there is a fear That if I recognize that I'm part of a whole, then I see that I'm useless and tiny and, and, you know, I have no influence on the whole. Therefore, I'm not important. And there's a, there's a decline in sense of self that can happen. But that's still looking at it through a lens of self. When you, when you drop that lens and recognize that I am part of this magnificent, awesome, eternal, infinitely creative whole living system that is a universe. And I'm in it. I'm not separate from it, trying to control it. But I am an integral aspect of it. And it wants me here. Wow. Mm. How awesome is that? It, it made me.
1: I, I want to share th- these questions that respond with these, uh, these specific one-word prompts that you initially start the, quest- the chapter with. Who is creating the story that is now being lived? We are the formless one, life manifesting as the multitudes. What is the nature of the story we are presently telling? This is, at heart, the story of us, the story of love, mattering. When is this story being told? Right now, in this eternally present moment, which contains our infinite past and our unwritten future. Where is this story being told? right here as the universe sings itself into existence. How are we creating our story? We are creating endlessly anew through the regenerative power of love. Why are we creating this story? Because what else have we got to do with our infinite creative potential? But explore love's eternal capacity to express itself in a multitude of ways. If that doesn't get somebody out of their stuffness and, and self selfness, <laughs> and into a bigger experience of themselves, I don't know what will, because it completely shifts the lens and the view to a different place. Hmm. Ultimately, well, in so that our purpose of life is to shift that lens to encompass ourselves in, in, in harmony, in collaboration, in communion with everything else around us.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the, the whole thrust of, I think, what my inner experience has been and what the book is attempting to invite other people to experience firsthand, not to believe what's written in the book, but as they read those words, to open the heart and allow the resonance of the words to communicate with them on a cellular level. It's a physiological shift. It's not just in the head. It's in the heart and it's in the the cells of the body. It's, It's the spiritualization of all that we are. So tell me, how did
1: allowing these messages to come through you change you?
2: Well... I guess the best kept secret of the suggestion that we love the world and that we love all that is, is that as we start to practice that, we're the ones who feel love first, because I can't feel love for you without feeling love within me first, so that I can bring it, bring it, or unleash it into the world. So as that process began unfolding in me and I began tentatively summoning into my heart just incredible upswellings of love and then directing them at others, silently just directing them into the world and allowing that energy to be the energy upon which my words ride. When I speak into the world, I'm summoning the power of that love from my heart. When I move in the world, I try as constantly as I can to have that energy be the energy that is informing myself as my hands move and my feet move and I touch other people in the world and I touch things in the world and I let that be the way that I operate, there's a qualitative difference in my experiences. Mm. So that's the exploration, the experiment, if you will, that I am encouraging everybody to run for themselves. See how you feel when you move through the world that way versus how we have been traditionally taught to move through the world, which is with the
1: strategic,
2: you know, approach.
1: Thank you, Eileen. The final message from life within this book, Raindrops of Love for a Thirsty World, is to embody love is what you are here to do and what you've been born to become and express. Know that while the results of our present experiment may not be known or revealed in your limited human lifetime, The formless one life, which has no end and which loves you and contains you forever, will know and apply the results in time, for the benefit of the entire living flow. And you, beloved, are that. I love you. I trust you. I believe in your capacity with all of my heart and soul. How could I not? For you are me, breathing endless love to life. Be life, beloved. Be love. Be perfectly you. Love always. Life it has been suggested that change is the only cosmic constant. Raindrops of Love for a Thirsty World shines the light of love on the journey into the truth of our perfect aliveness. Inspirational and uplifting throughout, this book bathes us in the trust, openness, courage, compassion, kindness, patience, and peace. That is our birthright. Check out Eileen Workman at eileenworkman.com and find out more about what she's doing. Next week, my guest is Dr. Christopher Souten, and we are going to be talking about dreams and all that they are here to tell us. Until then, in love, of love, with love, and as love, I am Simran. Be
0: well. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality.